tell me about what you do. Essentially, I've been puppeteering and uh, performing, acting as a couple different aliens on Stargate over, you know, since I think season five of uh, SG-1. Um, and I, I think I've done a total of 25 or 26 ep- different episodes, and they certainly aren't all listed there. Uh, they sort of sometimes just go by season. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I started in, in season five uh, where he's an apprentice, actually, with the makeup artists and the puppeteers there. And uh, really quickly, because I was an actor, uh, they had me doing a lot of work, and I, I learned and apprenticed all the animatronic stuff. Yes. And then in season six, I basically took over as as lead puppeteer and uh, hired the other puppeteers and started, uh, you know, being in charge of all the you know the rehearsals and the pre-production meetings and uh, and and doing the, the all the Asgard characters. And there were several of them. I mean, it started with Thor, but right. I mean, as, as you know, I mean, there was Loki and Hermiod and the Seer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's. It's nice that I mean you've got you've got a very nice mixed bag you know you've got the the puppeteering yes but then you know the the, the wraith like like the the wraith drone that was in Spoils of War you know and you've you've played priors you know there's there's yeah. always something it show and and one of my favorites was Tanat uh, it shows that there's oh, always yeah. something to be done in the Stargate universe well, that's what was so exciting for me. And because I was playing different aliens and, you know, Robert Cooper and Brad Wright and everyone was comfortable with me and knew I could do the job, uh, it was kind of a, a given sometimes if there was some sort of strange creature, they'd say, hey, uh, call Morris. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, because, you know, because I've never, nobody's really ever seen my face on the show, so I could do, you know, multiple different uh, different guys. In a way, it ended up being better for me than, you know, going out and, and doing a one-off over a few episodes. I was able to do multiple, so... Yeah, Soldier Number Five, right? Yeah, exactly. How did you first get involved with Stargate? In that season, uh, season five, uh-huh. I can't remember the exact first episode, but John Lennick had called me and said, "Hey, we we need somebody to, who's you know good on set." And I'd been doing other shows and whatnot, who who could work with their puppeteers. And I was like, "You oh, know, I don't really know anything about puppeteering or anything." But uh, he said, "I think he basically introduced me to that whole art and said, I think you might really enjoy it." So. He brought me in, and, and like I said, I was working with Todd Masters and the guys at Masters Effects, and I just loved it so much that I, you know, learned as much as I could and quickly moved up the ranks. And I'm also a, a sci-fi fan, so I mean, it was exciting for me um, being in and working as a performer in Vancouver. You can't help but not be exposed to all kinds of different um, sci-fi. Uh, exactly. I, mean, I had, you know, between Battlestar Galactica and, and Andromeda back in the old days. I mean, and now there's, it's just so much. It's either sci-fi or horror. Uh, uh. <laughs> because they're expensive. Yeah, and we've got all these different stats. They love the fact that you can shoot out in the woods or the swamp or in the mountains or in the desert, you know, all within half an hour of each other. So Exactly. I'm betting the episode in season five that you're referring to is Red Sky. O'Neill comes to the, uh, the Asgard High Council chamber, and there are a bunch of different Asgard uh, uh, on that set. Uh, does That's that ring bells? Yes. Okay. Yes, it does. Yeah. You call puppeteering an art. Uh, tell us about how how this all works. Tell us about uh, what you find really rewarding about it. Well, puppeteering is 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 such an art because it's always a team working together. It's probably the most theatrical aspect of television or film performing. Um, puppeteers all usually come from a very creative background. Uh, they uh, not only are they performers or voice actors, they're also uh, technical people. 
Um, and because it's a team, you have to work together during you know rehearsals and sort of conceiving ideas and coming up with specific uh, movements and gestures and sounds and whatnot uh, as a group for one particular entity. And when a group of people, you know, whether that's three or five or seven, gel together on one particular character, it's, it's kind of, it can be kind of magical because you really have to be all synced up with your, you know, your, your, your fifth eye, all your brain sort of working together to make one life sort of happen. So that's what, that's why I feel it's, 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 it's pretty artistic and, pre, and we're all a little over the top theatrical. We're the ones that go in and get to rehearse like a couple of days beforehand. And the, the crew always loves when we sort of show up on set because they're like, oh, this is going to be a long day. Puppeteers are here. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we're just, we, we just have, we have a riot. It's, uh, it's really great. And it's, I mean, some of us are sort of off. I'm one of the guys that uses the animatronic controller, like with a big, uh, it's like a remote control that you use for operating, um, like remote control airplanes or cars yes, and whatnot. Yes. Um, and because I do, uh, when I'm doing it, I often do the face stuff and I do the voice as well. So I work really closely with the actors, but then I, I'm able to often sometimes sit right with the director and, uh, you know, and sort of explain how, how we're hoping to do it. And so I'm the one that gets directed as the actor. And then we work with the whole team to, you know, bring whatever notes the director has uh, into play in the different takes. So, well, the Asgard is obviously the big one here, so let's approach that. So I'm gathering that there are some people actually behind the Asgard controlling him, and then you are off with a remote control somewhere, right? Yes, absolutely. How, how many people does it take to run an Asgard fully? With an Asgard, it's four. Wow. There are two on the, two on the body, one who that does the, uh, the head and torso, and then one that does the arms and hands. And they're both usually really in black and tiny and on the floor and behind it. They have a real physical, laborious... A job. It's, it's, it can be a lot of work getting that body to sort of move and articulate its movements properly. And then uh, it would be myself and another puppeteer um, working the face. Uh, and on on the Asgard puppet, um, there was I, I, for example, would do the jaw and the lips, um, and then the the head tilts and turns. And the other puppeteer would do all the eye and brow movements. Um, and you know ear wiggles things like that so <laughs> ear wiggles <laughs> <laughs> well maybe not you know actually not on the asgard we never really had any ear wiggles per se but it was funny as we worked all together over the years we ended up finding and because we have different it was the same puppet we, I mean, we had two of them um but we'd want uh, you know thor was very different from vasir who was very different from hermia it was very different from loki so we needed to come up with even though there's the same sort of body Different expressions. Um, different mannerisms. Yeah, different expressions. Now, I was under the impression that there was a new Asgard puppet kicked out every two or three years. Is that wrong? No, no, that's absolutely right. Because the the body, the latex body, would often deteriorate. Um, okay. It was pretty hard. To, it's an expensive uh, thing to take care of. And we, you know, we'd end up dragging him all over the place. And, uh, <laughs> it, so it's just, yeah, we'd, we'd need to, they'd need to put up a new one every couple of years. And we also did, at one point, Jenny Cassidy and I uh, spoke at a convention, and uh, that was the first time people had seen him sort of, uh, you know, at a live audience. Um, and that was really, really an amazing experience. But the auditorium was sold out. People were, like, just so stoked to, to see the puppet in person. They'd done, we'd done photo sessions before, like a year yeah. before at another convention, and, uh, and that was fun. But to be able to get him up on stage and to show and them the controllers and how he worked, yeah, that was... It was great. 
Wow. And we've actually been invited, been invited to go to conventions in, in, um, in Europe and in New Zealand and in Australia, but the logistics of sending this huge box with Puppet in and myself, it was really quite funny. Um, it was just, it became complicated and expensive and they didn't, the idea of sending this Puppet away to do a convention and with the chance that maybe damage could happen to him. He may break. Yeah, so they were really scared about doing that. So I never ended up doing any of the big overseas uh, conventions with the puppet because it just it was just too risky to do. Um, but uh, but it was fun. There was actually at one point they had decided, okay, so we can't send him in a big box. We can't ship him ahead. We, they thought maybe we could drive him around in a truck and do like North American stuff. Um, <laughs> and then they said, but it's so much faster to fly. And <laughs> one woman who was uh, representing me for conventions said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to buy the puppet a first class seat and he'll sit in the seat beside you and you can just like take care of him that way. <laughs> <laughs> and that was really funny. I, I kept having oh, a decision man. and me trying to walk through customs with, with the a Roswell guy. Gray. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, Jeez. some funny stories. It never all ended up materializing, but uh, it made for funny stories on our end. So it was just like a, a latex update every couple of years because you know, I I thought I mean obviously you guys uh, compared to the ones that came before you, you know this the sophistication of the puppet has always been improving over the course yeah, that, of, of the years. Yeah, that was a goal. I mean, originally when I first started working on him, he had, it was much different controls. He had a lot more cables attached. He had sort of a, uh, a hand rod action that would turn his head. And it was a very slow, laborious kind of thing just to get Thor to turn his head. And that's where, because of the limitations on the type of controls he had, that helped to impart the mannerisms that Thor had, which was very, I mean, he was very regal and... Yes, omniscient and powerful, anyways. But all of his moves had to be slow, and um, because that's the only way he could move. And then when he eventually, when with with developments and our addition of new, you know, servos and receivers and you know additional mechanical elements, we ended up getting a much more flexible um, staccato movement and whatnot with Hermiot in uh, Atlantis, yes. just because he was able to do that. So, but when Thor came in, you you kept the mannerisms consistent. Yes, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I do fun. remember, like, Vasir just being absolutely, and you voiced Vasir, I believe, being absolutely yeah, yeah. off the wall and annoying and buzzing all over the place, you know. I, I, I would yeah. love that uh, uh, when he was uh, when he was working on a laptop, if he, he, he would turn and, and do something else, and then the camera would pan away as he was coming back to the laptop, and then you'd hear keys typing. <laughs> 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 I love uh, we it. We did some great tricks. We did some great tricks. You know, it was it was wonderful. It was wonderful to do that. The, the funny thing, rehearsing all those scenes with the cast, like with Amanda um, or with RDA and whatnot. Often, what would happen is I'd go in because I would be doing the lines, and I would get a little pad and sit on my knees, and I'm bald anyway, so I, they would just play <laughs> to me <laughs> before we brought the puppet on, and uh, yeah, it was it was funny to do that. Now for two hundred. Um, I also imagine that you took care of the furlings. Yeah, yes, we did do the furlings as well. That was uh, that was pretty cool. Was that a whole different were, ball game, or I mean, tell us about that experience. Two hundred had a lot of stuff in it. It had a, it definitely had a lot of stuff in it. I mean, I wasn't personally responsible for the furlings. We we all worked together on and yeah. uh, getting them to be what they had to be. Um, but uh, it was fun to. I mean, A, to have, you know, the ads are playing different characters in different in the different scenarios as well, sometimes in different little outfits. The one where you had that 
Fu Manchu mustache. And, uh, yes. And, uh, and we also did some fun stuff with um, sci-fi as well, where, um, and I think you can see it, there's clips of it on YouTube still, where um, we just improvised uh, sort of behind-the-scenes interviews, where the actor, Asgard, was sort of complaining about, you know, not getting enough screen time and all that. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but uh, it played... Um, you sort of in between, uh, during, you know, before commercial breaks and whatnot, when the 200th was playing. Oh, jeez. Really, it was so funny. People really loved that. Wow. Did, so. Now, did you also take care of of the uh, the the puppeteer sequence that was a ripoff of uh, Team America? Uh, I didn't take care of it. That was all shot in Los Angeles. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we did we did spend some time with those marionettes uh, when they came up here, sort of uh, making sure they were you know strung properly and. And using them a little bit, and then we had there was a huge party up here. Um, we have an amazing um, marionette artist up here, and so I had brought him in. Uh, he had worked with Thor in the past as well, but his big strength is marionette work, and so he had made sure they were all sort of they arrived, and we pulled them out of the boxes and had them all restrung and put them on display and and whatnot. And yeah, those those but there's still the the uh, Richard Dean Anderson one. I think is in John Lennox's office, and it's just <laughs> such a cool little puppet. So, uh, Tanat was a recurring character for you. Heavy. Is, was that just a whole mask, or was that, like, a bunch of different pieces of prosthetic? It's actually two pieces, if I remember correctly. It's a, a cowl, which is, uh, like, a, a hooded piece with a big neck on it yes. that would get glued down onto my chest and back. Um, and then the entire face piece would be put on, and then there were teeth as well. And it was a heavy, hefty, hot thing to wear. The very first time uh, I, I played Tanat, we were shooting in the sand dunes um, yes. south of Vancouver. And it was about, I don't know, 90 degrees outside. And, uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy, crazy hot. But he, he, was, he was so much so much fun to do because he's, he's kind of a dork, really, you know, a real strong <laughs> guy with, with exciting ideas, but uh, he... Uh, he doesn't yeah, have a clue. Kind of, <laughs> no, didn't seem to have a clue. He sort of, he was the, yeah, yeah, the Lucian Alliance kind of poked fun at him, and I think he thought he was a lot more than he was, but he was a great character to play. Was it easy to see out of that headpiece? No, very difficult to see. There were only, like, maybe three small holes underneath where his um, plastic eyeballs were that I could see out of. Um, and in order to get my eye lines correctly, um, so that the eyes were looking at the actors I was working with. I actually had to look at the ground, so I'd look at people's feet I'll so that my eyes were lined up with theirs. Yeah. <laughs> so I almost always, uh, whenever I was on set, it's, it's the same as playing a prior. When you have those lenses in, you can't see anything. It's like these smoky white lenses. You need somebody, you know, whether it's makeup or costumes or a PA wandering with you the whole time. So. Oh, really? The, pli- the priors were blind? Oh, the, yeah. Playing a prior, you're, you're basically blind. Yeah, you okay. could barely see anything. I remember the very first time I did a prior two, I was doing a scene where I was walking on this ledge way up on a hill, and Peter DeLuise was directing, and he had a megaphone, and he was down below, and he was like, you know, just, just keep walking, keep walking, and the sun was sort of shining. It was They were wanting to get this shot at this perfect time of day, but, uh, yeah, I almost fell off this precipice. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was funny. Oh, yeah, man. The perils of playing an alien, there are many. <laughs> I bet. What are you doing with Stargate Universe? What's going on there? 
you know what? I've not even worked on Stargate Universe at all yet. Um, okay. I don't know that I, I will. I mean, I, I, I know all of the producers and directors and the cast quite well. A lot of them are, uh, are good friends. Um, but as it, because it's such, a, it's such a real character-driven drama, um, I just saw the pilot. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned that to you on the on the flight to. I can't remember where it was. I don't remember the flight that I took with John, and it's so spectacular. Oh, good. It's uh, but it's it's very different from the other Stargate stuff. I mean, it's still got all those exciting elements of things that are going on, and it's got some alien elements in it. But right now, it's really about this group of people that are are trapped on this ancient ship, you know, billions of light years from Earth. Yeah. Um, so it's real character-driven drama, really a departure from anything they've done in the past. I would imagine that, you know, as as things progress, uh, that there's certainly potential for me to do other aliens on the show. I don't know. I've actually I said to John on this last trip, I said, I, you know what I'd love to do is play a human being. <laughs> it's been great fun, and I, I, I sort of fell into this niche, and I've played aliens on, on several other shows as well, um, or because of the puppeteering background, lots of crazy exactly. fun little characters. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's always it's always fresh to play a, a human being. So, are you looking forward to the advancements in robotics that are? I mean, the, the the things that they come out with every couple of years. You know, do you find that improving your job or and, and freeing you up in terms of puppeteer work, or do you find that it's taking away from the art? That's a good question. Um, the improvements mechanically and whatnot are brilliant, um, and some of the features that I've worked on in the last year. Um, have I, you know? I've really seen, you know, where things where things are going, and the ability to uh, do even more with with puppets. Yes. Um, there, there is that some. There was a phase for a while where people were really moving strictly to CG, computer generated stuff, um, and it was a lot of money, and there was a lot of stuff they could do with it. But in the end, um, I think a lot of you know old Hollywood, new Hollywood started to agree that it wasn't the same. You can't get the same quality from just strictly CG or just, yeah. you know, strictly puppets. It's a combination of the two that really brings, you know, that, and that the balance and the formula and that recipe that really brings, you know, the magic. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm happy about that because there was a while where we were, as you know, as puppeteers, sort of thinking I'm, you know, I'm going to be out of a job entirely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really, uh, like I just, uh, I did a, I don't know, three months ago, finished a feature um, called The Hole which uh, was, was, was super, super exciting. And that comes out, I think, in October. Okay. Um, but the puppet in there had some really, really you know, amazing things that he could do. Um, and, but again, it's a 3D feature, and they were still they're going to be doing a lot of stuff with CG as well. But they, you know, they, they also realize that it's just, there's such a magic to having a, a three-dimensional figure there working with the actors as opposed to just you know, a silver ball on the end of a stick in front of a green screen. Exactly. Well, I won't lie to you. I was mesmerized by um, Heimdall at the end of at the end oh. of season five, Terrell Rothery's performance, yeah. and to to see that that creature on on film, you know, with its arms slightly swaying and its and its its heads like loose and trying, it was pretty obvious that they were you know taking advantage of of not having a mechanical puppet on set and and loosening the loosening the character up a little bit but i i'm of with course. you i think there's a there, there's a lot of advances still to be made in 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 robotics and fine-tuning this maybe even the asgard puppet once again to make him to make him come to life even more oh yeah absolutely i mean we just got to keep moving forward i think because uh, the audience i mean the audience is 
sophisticated and, and demands it, you know, and then they can tell when it's something CG or something's just a puppet. Yes. But that's why when, when things sort of are able to work together, you know, that's, that's where the real fun happens. I'm hoping that because, you know, they're on universe, they're on a, this ancient ship, I keep thinking, oh, you know, they've got to, even though the Asgard, I mean, it's Asgard of, you know, deceased as, as a race, there's got to be mm-hmm. some sort of Asgard, um, something on this ship. So <laughs> I have a feeling that something might come along uh, at some point. So who knows? I know they haven't built a new guy yet. Uh, and I don't know if that's in the plans or the works, but uh, yeah, there's, I'm, I'm, I'm certain there's going to be something. Not a season's gone by where I haven't been able to do something on the show. So Exactly. There you go. Yeah. I was, um, I was pretty disheartened to hear when they decided that they were going to kill the entire Asgard race. Yeah. Did did you share a similar feeling? Oh, of course, of course. The um, I mean, and that was the that very last episode of that mm-hmm. season, and uh, of the series, of the series, yeah. And Robert directed it, and he was he's so marvelous as usual to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, but our very last scene that we did um, with with Amanda, where we she we hugged, and it was really really uh... emotional for all of us. Yeah, it was moving on set. Um, and, and I know that translated in the uh, in the episode as well. That it was, yeah, it was it was sad. We were kind of like you know we're saying goodbye to this character and knowing that you know he might you know appear sometime in the future as a you know as a computer generated um, holograph, which because he passed on all that Asgard knowledge to them. But right, yeah, it was kind of like really saying goodbye to a, a friend. So mm-hmm. it sure was. And then out of the blue, they come back in uh, season five of Atlantis. Uh, I got a heads up about this uh, f- several months before the episode aired. I was like, "Yes, thank you." Were you brought in to Were you brought in to man that puppet? I was. I was asked to do that, but I wasn't able to work on that episode because I was working on a project in Russia. Actually. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So I actually, I actually did work with Andy for a few days beforehand, just determining how we were going to, you know, have the uh, have the puppet appear and how he was going to work in that scene with Michael. Yes. Um, but then, yeah. But then I was. I was gone. I was working overseas, which isn't a bad thing. So, <laughs> hey, you're working, you know. Exactly. It's too bad, Stargate. You're you're you've already you're already employed. Just looking to the future, you know, hoping for uh, an opportunity on on Universe. Anything else on the horizon besides holes? Um, right now, yeah. There's there's not. I mean, I've been doing some producing and doing a lot of directing. I do a lot of uh, corporate directing, commercial stuff, and whatnot. Okay. Um, but uh, it's going to be a really busy fall here in Vancouver, so we'll sort of have to wait and see what pans out. As soon as things sort of get quiet for too long, then I get nervous. But uh, something always seems to uh, seems to come up. I don't know. There's like I said, there's so much sci-fi stuff here. Um, I have uh, I don't know what it will be next. I don't know if it'll be another uh, Alien versus Predator movie or. <laughs> Or what? I just keep my fingers crossed and see what goes on. But uh, yeah, always, always hoping for you know to work with those guys at Stargate again. I mean, they're like family, really. The more fans that write in and say we want to see more aliens, the, it's always the better for me. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs>